Hello, hello, my friends. Welcome back to Hold Up, Let Me Explain. I'm your host, Nicole. And if you're new to the podcast, hi, let's be friends. <laughs> Make sure you follow me on social media at Hold Up, Let Me Explain and at Nicole Asev on Instagram. You'll find the same handle on my TikTok account, which is at Nicole Asef underscore. And then if you want to have more of a visual of who I am and my personality and all the things that I talk about, make sure to check me out on my YouTube channel, which is at Nicole Asef, which you'll find too, because it's the same on there as well. So if you're wondering what my podcast is typically about, it's just me talking shit for the most part, and just kind of sharing my life's experiences. Um, This episode is actually going to talk about things that I've been struggling with and kind of recovering from being with a narcissist who was also an addict. And this episode is going to be a little bit on the heavier side, but not like in a negative way, just more like in a way that's honest and personal. Um, Of course, I always like to be respectful of the other person and my own personal experiences. I don't want to just air out all of the dirty details that's gone on with my past relationship, but there's some things that are worth mentioning for the sake of being relatable and being honest and just connecting with people. So I hope that in some ways, um, this kind of helps you too. So let's get started. So one of the biggest goals I had for myself for 2024 was that I wanted to be connected to God. I wanted to be connected to God. I wanted to connect to my higher power. I wanted to kind of just like elevate and go into the next phase of my life. Uh, like, but internally, you know, because everything from the outside can be controlled. All of that can be done. If you got a little bit of money, if you have a little bit of patience, you can make shit happen for yourself. The kind of elevation that I was kind of striving for for this year was, you know, I really wanted to heal those parts of me that were really wounded. I wanted to be a better person. I wanted to connect to my spiritual side because I do feel that I have a strong sense of, um, spirituality, I guess, within me. It's kind of hard for me to explain it in better terms. But that was something that I had talked about in therapy and I was willing to do the work. Even when I would meditate and manifest and journal, a lot of the things that I would kind of close off my entries with was, I am ready for the next phase of my life. And at the start of January, I don't know if you heard from my last episode, my last podcast episode, I talked about how January was very chaotic for me. The reason why it was chaotic for a lot of reasons. And that's kind of what I wanted to talk about. So starting into the new year or going into the new year, I remember telling my therapist what my goals were and what I wanted to accomplish in therapy moving forward. And obviously stuff like that takes work. You know, I could sit here and be like, oh, I'm ready for the next phase of my life. I'm ready to be this, you know, this magical person, this higher power self. But that takes a lot of shadow work and inner healing and facing those dark shadows that live within you. And that's kind of hard to face, especially when you have to hold yourself accountable for things that you've probably felt victimized by and realizing, wait, oh, wait, shit, was I the problem? You know, is was that really on me? Was it on them? You know, especially being with a narcissist, there were so many parts of my relationship where I was always the one pointing the finger, but ultimately I still welcomed those bad parts. I still tolerated those bad parts. And I can still and I can still victimize myself in those moments like, oh, you know, I didn't deserve that and it was really hard to let go and he manipulated me and I felt very kind of I wouldn't say trapped cuz it's not that I felt trapped with my ex, it just felt more like I needed to like he needed me and I needed to stay. And a part of me was not happy to stay, but I just felt like 
I needed to stay. I, I didn't feel trapped like, fuck, I can't go anywhere. But it's like, no, he needs me. I need to stay here, you know? And there's fault in that. And I understand that now. And I don't blame myself for the time spent because I love my life now. And obviously, I had to be ready to walk away from that relationship when it was time to walk away from it. And I'm happy that I was able to just walk away. You know, I didn't have kids with this person. I wasn't even on the lease when I lived with him. And I know that's not the same for everybody, but I do acknowledge like the silver linings of what it meant having to walk away from that relationship. But there's still parts of that relationship that I still think about that still hurt me that I still, I don't think I've truly healed from. And those are the parts that I know I'll have to face in order to like move on. And it sucks saying that out loud because I don't want to make it seem like I'm still holding on or that I'm like I still want to get back with him because I don't but there's a part of me that grieves the relationship and I still worry for his sobriety and if he's okay and you know when I talked about that in therapy my therapist recommended that I go to Al-Anon meetings so for those of you who don't know what Al-Anon meetings are Basically, Al-Anon meetings are like, I wouldn't say anonymous, but they're just meetings that you go to. And basically, they're for people who have been affected uh, by loved ones and friends who suffered from alcoholism and addiction. So you know how like AA meetings are for alcoholics? Well, Al-Anon meetings are for people who were affected by alcoholics and people with addiction. So in my therapy sessions, I would always talk about just different memories that I would have and things that I would just kind of blurt out in therapy as you should because hello that's what therapy's for but I would always talk about you know those like ugly parts and they'd be intrusive like we'll be talking about one thing and then like I'll bring up my ex and I'll be like oh yeah that reminds me I remember one time this thing happened like I'll give you I'll give you a story a story that just popped up into my head so me and my ex I hated going downtown with him. I absolutely hated it. And I remember, okay, the reason why I hated going downtown with him is because whenever he drank, he never knew when to stop. He always liked to have a good time, but he just never knew when enough was enough. And I remember we went downtown and we had dinner and he's like, oh, let's just swing by this one bar. Like it was just a random bar in downtown. And he's like, let's go there. Let's just go have a drink. And I remember just being like, no, I don't want to go. Let's just go home. And he's like, why do you always want to go home? It's, you know, the night is young. We're young. Like, you know, you're acting like you're already in your 40s. Why can't we just go out? And I'm like, because it's getting late. And honestly, for me, it's like, if I go out with a friend and we go out to dinner and it's nine o'clock and she says, hey, let's go grab a drink downtown. Bitch, let's go. Like, I am so down for a drink. But with my ex, nine o'clock. No, 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 no. It might as well be two o'clock in the afternoon because that's what that time was for him. He saw it as, oh, it's early enough for me to get fucked up. And I knew what the night would end up as because when he would drink, he would not stop. And having a night out drinking was never like, oh, let's have a drink to have a good time. It was, you're going to have a drink. I'm going to have to be the sober one and I'm going to have to be the one to babysit you. And I'm going to be the one to have to drive us back home. And I'm going to have to be the one to literally pull the drink out of your hand. And I don't even know what that's going to look like because of the fight that's probably going to come afterwards. But then his argument in that moment was, 
you know, you're just setting the tone for what's to come. Like, how do you know that's way, that's how the night's going to go? Like, if you're going to sit there and say the night's going to go bad, the night's going to go bad because you're setting the tone for that. And that was his argument in that moment. So I took it for what it was, right? And I was like, okay, fine. You know what? You're right. Let me not have that mentality. mentality. Let me just go in with an open mind. Let's just have a good time. Let's just be cool. So we park the car. We go to this bar. And, you know, we take a shot, we're drinking a beer, and we start playing darts, right? And there's these two guys that ended up, I guess they were like waiting for us to be done with the darts. And one of them was like, oh, we, 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 get, we get who's winner. Like, we're basically like, we'll go against whoever wins or some shit like that. So anyway, long story short, we ended up making friends with them. We're having a good time. Next thing I know, my ex goes into the bathroom with one of the other guys. And I, listen, it's like, I, it's like, I don't want to say it, but I think you guys can assume what they did in the bathroom. No, they didn't kiss. No, they didn't fuck. They did other things that was drug related in the bathroom. And normally when things like that happen, I already know what's happening. So I immediately was getting upset. I didn't have that kind of reaction right away because for me, it's like, I don't want to act like that in public. I don't like to act like that in public. I don't like for people to know that I'm having issues with my partner. In the beginning of my relationship with my ex, I used to be very loud and I didn't give a fuck who was lo- who was watching. Like I would be the one to scream at him in the middle of the street. I would throw things at him. I was a fucking ratchet ass mess when I first met him. And well, I wouldn't say when I first met him, it was just, that was the side that came out of me when we would have these issues. So moving forward, I realized, okay, this isn't cute. This is actually kind of dangerous. I'm causing so much attention to us that's not needed. This is not the way to communicate. And I had to overcome those parts. Um, So I no longer acted that way. But in this moment, although this was all happening, I wanted to act like that, but I didn't. And I kind of just stood quiet and I just kind of try to keep calm and not make a scene. Now, the guy that my ex went into the bathroom with, his friend was still with up, like was with me. So he's like talking to me, he's like getting to know me and stuff and you know, thinking back, he was kind of cute. <laughs> but, you know, he was just kind of like, "Oh yeah, like where are you from?" like blah blah blah. And you know, I'm like whatever, like fine, like I'll get to know you, it's cool, you know, but at the same time I'm thinking like, dude, like this is so fucked. Like how am I, your girl, going to be left with this guy that I don't even fucking know at a bar while you're literally doing drugs with his friend in the bathroom? But all right, whatever. So whatever. So then my ex comes out with the friend and he's like, "Oh, I'm going to go to the car real quick." I'll call you to come get you in like 10 minutes. So I remember looking at my ex like, obviously he wasn't my ex at the time. I just don't want to say his name. So I'm looking at him and I'm like, what the fuck? What do you mean? You're not going to leave me with this guy. I don't even know this fucking guy. And he's like, no, don't worry. Don't worry. Like, just relax. Like, I'm going to go get the car. I'm going to go, you know, give this man something. And then we're going to be out. Like, we're going to go home. So I'm like, all right, whatever. So he ends up leaving with the guy. I guess stuck with the dude, but whatever. Like the drinks were already paid for, so like I didn't care. And then he was like, oh, do you want to? Do you want another drink? Like I could tell the guy was being really nice. Like he wasn't being a creep. I think a part of him might have felt bad about the situation because obviously, as a man, it's like, what are you doing? You know, like leaving your girl here. Like maybe it would all make sense if I lived that same life as them or as his, as him. But I don't. And I didn't. So it just looked like the perspective just looked kind of fucked up. 
But the guy was being super nice and just kind of talking to me. And I'm just like, all right, whatever. And then I got hungry. So we ended up getting hot dogs. And then finally, I'm like calling my ex. And I'm like, dude, where the fuck are you? Like, I'm ready to go. Because at this point, it had already been like 30 minutes. And where we parked from where the bar was wasn't that far. So the two guys that we had met at that bar, they were visiting. So I remember my ex was like, oh, um, what did he say? He was like, oh, okay. He pulls up, right? And I noticed that the guy that he had left with was sitting on the passenger side. So my, you know, so my ex, he pulls up in the car and he's, and I go up to the window and I was like, all right, like, let's go. Like, I want to go home. And he's like, not get in the back seat. And I'm looking at the guy in the fucking passenger seat. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like, I literally look at my ex and I'm like, what are you doing? Like, I want to go home. And he's like, well, we're not going home right now. And I'm like, bro. So I say his name and I'm like, you told me that this shit wasn't going to happen. And I'm asking you, let's go. And he was like, Nicole, just shut the fuck up and get in the car. So I'm like, all right fine i get in the car so i get in the back seat with the other dude because so now it's the four of us in the car and we drove them to the hotel so i'm thinking okay maybe he's just gonna give them a ride back to the hotel and then from there we can go home so we get to the hotel we park the car and he's like (laughs) he parks the car and then i see like i get out the car because i'm prepared to go into the passenger seat but then i notice that my ex gets out of the car closes the door and has the keys in his hand so i get out of the car and i look at him and i'm like bro what are you doing like we're leaving like we're going and he's like no 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 no. we're gonna go inside and i'm like what like we're going inside where he's like no we're going inside the hotel and i'm like and the guys are kind of like walking but you could tell that they're kind of like trying to walk slow enough where we that they're not walking away from us but we're still like with them and i'm looking at my ex and i'm like no i want to go home like we don't even know these people like why are we going to their hotel room like this is so dangerous like what the fuck are you thinking and he's like bro i don't want to hear it let's just fucking go and he had the keys in his hand so it's not like i could have just fucking taken the keys with me so i know what you're thinking oh if i were you i would have just called an uber and gone home yeah you're right could have done that could have should have would have but i didn't and i stood with him and i go inside the hotel room with him and we go to the hotel room and at this point i'm just on the bed on my phone and i'm on instagram and i'm just scrolling through killing time while literally him and these two guys do blow on the fucking coffee table and i'm just there on the bed just literally waiting for him to be done getting high with his stupid friends his new friends at that and so that we can finally go home (sighs) and things like that used to happen a lot a lot. I remember one time something similar like that happened where I remember like I nearly got the car keys because I was just going to leave his ass at the house and he snatched them out of my hands and he was like, we're not leaving until I say we leave. And we didn't leave the house until six o'clock in the morning. I was dead tired. He was so fucked up. He couldn't even drive. So I had to drive us back home. And the entire time we were in the car, he blamed me for being out that late. (laughs) and i'm like how the fuck are you gonna blame me for the choices you made and he's like oh well i wasn't trying to go to because basically what happened was we went to a bar and we ended up running into people we knew and then they wanted to go to another bar and i was like okay yeah sure 
So we go to that bar, but then it was after that bar that we went back to his friend's house. So he basically blamed me because he said that if I never agreed to go to that second bar, then he would have never agreed to go to his friend's house, which led him to go on this full bender until six o'clock in the morning. So the entire argument back home was him blaming me for his bender because I agreed to go to the second bar before. And at the time that we went to that second bar, it was only 10 o'clock at night. (laughs) So yeah, my friends, that's the kind of stupid shit I used to deal with with my ex. And I just, um, but like going back to the whole therapy thing. So like whenever I would talk about those types of stories and therapy, my therapist would recommend that I go to Al-Anon meetings because that's what the Al-Anon meetings were for. It was for people who were affected by people with addiction and alcoholism. And it was just like a safe space for people to kind of share their stories and, you know, do all of that. So this was something that was recommended to me literally last year. So when I finally broke up with my ex, which was in March, um, I started seeing my therapist. And when I would talk about my relationship and why I ended it and, you know, all this guilt that I felt after breaking up because I kind of feared once again for his sobriety and all of that. And I felt like I needed to be there for him. You know, she had mentioned the Al-Anon meetings, but it didn't take until January for me to start going to the meetings. So I went to one meeting and I remember like, It was at a church and I was so like, I was so like, anxiety was like through the fucking roof. Like I just couldn't, I was so, so, so nervous. And when I finally got the courage to go inside, sit down, they gave me a pamphlet. And as soon as the meeting started, I started crying. I could not stop crying. And it was interesting because I noticed that when everybody shared their like experience with their loved ones like some people talked some people didn't I didn't talk at first because I just wasn't ready like even when it was my time to say one of the 12 steps I couldn't even talk because I couldn't stop crying and then there was like a moment where we had to say our names in a circle and all I could do was whisper my name because it was too intense for me to like to speak up basically but everybody was super nice and friendly but something that I noticed in the meeting was that Anytime that everybody like, for okay, so like there were maybe like two or three people that talked about their spouses and anytime they talked about their spouses, I would feel angry. Like I'd be like, oh, yo, fuck them. They're so selfish. Not the person that was speaking, but the, the, the spouse that they were speaking about, I would get upset. Like I would obviously to myself thinking in my mind, I was like thinking like, oh, their husband is so fucking selfish and their fucking wife is so selfish, like in my brain, right? Even though I was emotional. But then when the moms would talk about their sons who were roughly around the same age as my ex, um, like 31, 32, I would cry the hardest because I was looking at it as like, oh my God, like poor, like poor mom, you know, and this is someone's son. Like they'll talk about like their son being in and out of rehab and how they just want to help them and they just don't want to get help. So I thought that was interesting because I know it sounds kind of fucked up, but I think there was a point in my relationship with my ex where I almost felt like I, I don't want to be like, I felt like I was his mom, but you know, fuck, we were together all the time. I was constantly worrying about his whereabouts. 
if he was drinking a lot, what drugs. I mean, there was a point where like I could look at him and I would know exactly what he was on just by looking at him. So I knew if he drank too much. I knew if he took too many pills. I knew if he was on certain kinds of drugs. I knew when he smoked weed. Like by looking at him, I could tell what he was on. But there was it was starting to get to a point where I couldn't tell what he was on. And that's when it started to get scary. Like looking at his face, I would just stare and I'm like, what are you on right now? And he'd like kind of like laugh and not make eye contact and those are the parts that started to get like really scary but I just like tapped into those memories when the moms would talk and that's when I would cry the hardest so I talked about that in therapy and I'm like you know it's interesting because of course when the people talked about their partners I was getting like really angry and then when the moms talked about their sons I would feel like really empathetic so I was like was I looking at our almost said his name, was I looking at my ex like like a child, like he was my child, which is also kind of disturbing. But I think at some capacity, it does make sense because I was constantly taking care of him in so many ways, like fucking cooking for him, cleaning up after him, making sure he got home safe, making sure he ate, like he was no longer my, like my partner, like kind of did feel like he was my child I know that sounds kind of fucked up because it sounds weird right because I was engaged to this person but it's kind of how it felt you know but then I noticed that after the meetings I started to feel like I wanted to contact my ex like I started to feel like I wanted to talk to him and not because I wanted to get back with him not because I wanted to see if we could pick up no none of that shit It was more like I was worried about his sobriety. I was concerned if he was okay. Like, is he all right? Is he healthy? Is he put together? You know, whatever. And I knew because I don't know if I talked about this already. Maybe I'll save it for another podcast or maybe I've already talked about it. I'm not sure. But um, he has a new girlfriend and I don't really know much about her. But I know that he's in a relationship now with another person. Um, So I know in some way he should be okay. But pictures are just pictures. You never really know what's going on under the surface. I, for one person, could say that for a fact. You never know what really goes on. Pictures are just pretty pictures. I've talked about that in previous podcasts where, you know, don't be fooled by these perfectly curated photos because that's exactly what they are, curated photos. I'm not taking away that they aren't happy moments that are reflected in those photos, but I've been guilty of taking perfect photos kind of giving this perception like everything is happy and everything is happy when in reality it's not and yeah I think we've all been guilty of that at some way in some ways um but I just felt like after those meetings I just started to feel like more worried for him and I didn't like those feelings I didn't like those feelings because breaking up with my ex and kind of recovering from those dark moments of my relationship with him especially him being a narcissist A lot of what held me in place of not going back was anger. I just felt angry about a lot of things. And that anger is what kept me in check. It's what kept me away. It's what kept me from going backwards like I used to in the past. But now going to the meetings, 
it almost felt like I was going backwards because now it's like I wanted to contact him and I wanted to see if he was okay. I no longer felt angry. I felt sad. And I brought that up in therapy. And I'm like, I don't like this. Because when I came out of the meeting, the first thing I wanted to do was call him. And, you know, my therapist was kind of like, hmm, that's something to acknowledge and be aware of because, you know, it's almost like going to an AA meeting and then wanting to drink alcohol afterwards, you know? So she kind of tried to like dissect why I would feel the need to contact him again, even though the purpose of the meetings is to sort of like release that, not baggage, but just kind of like release those memories and connect with people who can relate to you so that you don't feel alone in those memories and, you know, healing journey. But I don't know, like I just, it was just different feelings. And for that, I got really emotional and I felt really emotional through those weeks in January. And I don't want to say that I self-sabotage, but I started to notice that I was going out more often. I was drinking more, I was going out more. And my therapist for a moment I don't want to say that she implied because that's not what therapists do. That's not what she does. She doesn't imply anything. She would just ask me questions and kind of make me get to that place on my own. But there was like a moment where there was kind of a question of whether or not I could possibly be an alcoholic. Um, And that kind of triggered me a little bit because my perception of alcoholism is extreme And that extreme was my ex, even though he would argue and say that he's not, I would argue differently because of my experience with him. Um, But because I was bringing up on how often I was going out and she's like, you know, you've been going out a lot, you know, why do you think that is? And, you know, and I think my defense was for so long being with my ex, me going out meant me being a babysitter and meant me having to make sure he was okay and meant restraining myself from really having a good time because if I got drunk he felt like he needed to get more drunk or if I was having a good time he needed to have a better time and the only way he had a better time is if he drank more and it was just like this vicious cycle so I would always have to be at level five because hopefully if I'm at level five that would take him at level 50 and god forbid I'm at level 50 forget it the man is at fucking level 200 and so for a long time Basically, because I got with my ex before I turned 25. I celebrated my 25th birthday with him. So I was with him for the better half of my 20s. So in theory, your 20s, which are supposed to be the years that you get lit and you get drunk unapologetically, I didn't because I was too busy playing babysitter. So now at 30, 31, now I'm like, holy shit, I have this freedom. I have this chance to kind of live up in a way that I didn't really get to before because of the person that I was with. And don't get me wrong, like me and my ex, we did go out and have a good time, but there was always like a cap to it. You know, like I would do enough for Instagram, but then at some point of the night, I put the phone down, I put it away, I drank a lot of water, and it was just me being focused enough to then make sure he was okay and we would get home safe. So now it almost feels like now it's like, oh my God, I don't have to worry about that. It's almost like, I don't got to watch the kids tonight. I'm going to fucking wall out. And that's kind of how I've been being, especially for the month of January. But it was getting a little out of control. (laughs) Some people will kind of argue and be like, oh, you're just having a good time. Don't be so hard on yourself, which is fair. But there was even a moment where my mom was like, what are you doing? You don't live this life. 
you need to get your shit together. Stop it. Stop it. Like, it truly upsets my mom when I'm hungover, like, to the point where I don't even like to tell her when I'm hungover because I can sense the disappointment when I am hungover. So even for her, she was kind of like, she kind of lectured me. And keep in mind, I'm 31, but it's the highest form of love that I will accept from my mother. <laughs> I know for some other women, it's kind of like, no, mind your business. But I'm really close with my mom. And anytime she gets into those modes, I respect it because it's only because she cares. So I allow it. But my mom was basically like, you need to get your shit together. You need to cut the shit out. Like, it's okay to have fun, but I don't know what the fuck you're doing. Like, it got to the point where I had friends over and I got a noise complaint that basically, but it wasn't just a normal noise complaint. It was like the kind of noise complaint where, like, if I make fucking noise again, I'm going to get evicted. Like, shit like that. Like, I had people over and I was like blasting music. People were out on my balcony. Like, we were just being really fucking loud and everybody was at my house until like seven o'clock in the morning. And apparently the cops were called, but the cops never came knocking on my door. So like, were the cops really called? Okay. Um, but the, um, the leasing office was basically like, you need to fucking chill. And if you disturb your neighbors again, like, we can evict you. So like, don't like you have 12 months basically like 12 months before like that would go away so basically like my shit is on surveillance so that's kind of annoying but again that's my own doing that's my own damn fault i can't really be mad about it who the fuck and mind you it was like during the week <laughs> so like i fucked up i fucked up anyway so it's like so it's like that had happened and then like going out a lot and you know anyway so it basically kind of like delayed this whole journey that I had promised myself I was going to go on and I think a part of me was self-sabotaging because I was being faced with a lot of dark moments from my past especially with my ex that I didn't want to face and that was just something to like acknowledge and I did calm down but then I focused more on working so then I just worked a ton, focusing on the trip to Ireland, and then I went on my trip, and then I came back, and then I just once again overworked myself and, you know, just hadn't really given myself a chance to really center myself again and kind of apply all this inner work that I promised myself I was going to do. And now I have therapy. <laughs> back to therapy. So I'm kind of like not dreading it because I don't want to say that I dread therapy, but it's like it can be very emotional. And it's not that I don't do emotion. It's just I've done it for so long that there was like a point in time where I learned to sort of detach and I learned that that was the much easier route. But I know that there's danger in detaching because that's not good either, like to become like become so removed of feelings i'm getting uncomfortable like even talking about it <laughs> but i'm working on it i'm working on it but yeah these are the symptoms and the aftermaths of when you go through a relationship like that you know it's just trial and error and learning and things like that i went to a few al-anon meetings and then i told my therapist that i wasn't going to go anymore i don't want to go i don't want to go anymore i felt like i was going backwards i I don't know, maybe I'm just not ready. Maybe I could only do one thing at a time, but it was becoming a little bit too much. So there's that. 
But, you know, my friends, like I said, it's a healing journey. It's a journey. You know, you can't get lost in the woods for six years and expect to get out in 15 minutes. So I'm just making my way out, you know. It's about to be a year since I've broken up with my ex. I'm still single. Obviously, you know, like I'm getting to know a very special person at the moment, which is very nice and different. But, you know, the future is still bright and it's long and I'm happy and I'm excited to see where life is going to take me moving forward. I feel like I get a second chance at life now, you know, like compared to what my life almost looked like versus what it could possibly look like now is very exciting. But I still have moments where I feel sad, you know, like, I mean, I think I do a good job, you know, like living life and being free and happy and adventurous and, you know, because this is my life and this is how I've always wanted to live it. That's never changed. Um, but, you know, there's still parts I'm still combing through and working through. And I will always be honest with you guys about it. You know, maybe there's some parts of myself that I will keep to myself for the sake of privacy. And, you know, not everything needs to be posted on the Internet. <laughs> I think we could all relate to that. But I am grateful for all the love and support that everybody has shown me through these months and all my friends and family that have been there for me and have been understanding and just patient with me and empathetic and just being amazing. So thank you. Thank you for everyone who's listened and liked and subscribed and followed and reached out and called me and sent me voice notes. And it just really, really makes me feel special. So thank you so much. Well, my friends, I think that's me wrapping up the episode. I love you guys so much. Thank you for tuning in. I hope that you were able to connect with me in a deeper level with this podcast. Make sure you do like and subscribe. And if you're new here, I hope that you love me enough to stick around for the next episode and the next episode. And, you know, you find me on social media. We become friends and you DM me and I DM you back and we just have a great time. So I love you guys. Make sure to tune in. New episodes every Mondays and I will see you next time.